Welcome to the Gut Podcast on the paper. Antibiotic use is a risk factor for inflammatory bowel disease across the ages. A population-based cohort study. Published in paper copy in Gut in April 2023. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of Gut and Honorary Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to Professor Tina Yes from the Centre for Molecular Prediction of Inflammatory Bowel Disease, Department of Clinical Medicine and Department of Gastroenterology and Hepatology, Aalborg University, Aalborg, Denmark. And Dr. Adam Fay from the Medicine and Population Health Department in New York University, Langhorne Health, New York, USA. Dr. Fay is the first author on this paper and Professor Jess is the senior author on this excellent paper. Thank you both so much for joining me to do this podcast and congratulations on your excellent paper and congratulations for your presentations at ECHO that I recently saw. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your study and why researching this area is important? Absolutely. And uh, first off, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Smith and the BMJ and Gut for having us here today um, to talk about our recent article that was published. So I think, first of all, we're very interested in trying to discern what are exactly the causes for incident IBD. So what actually leads to the development of inflammatory bowel disease? And we have this idea that it's really a complex interplay of both genetics and the environment, but what are the exact environmental factors remains a bit unknown. And furthermore, I think how these environmental factors change over the course of a lifespan is particularly important to understand and really hasn't been looked at before. We know that inflammatory bowel disease has this bimodal peak of onset, so older adults and younger adults, but how environmental factors and genetic factors change over time remains to be known. So essentially, we know that older adults or we think at least that older adults have more of an environmental component and less of a genetic predisposition. And we think that because clinically, when we look at a family history for older adults, they often have fewer family members with a positive history of inflammatory bowel disease as compared to younger individuals. Furthermore, when you look at genetic poly, uh, genetic risk scores, it's actually lower for older adults as compared to younger adults. So again, all leading to this idea that the environment may be playing a changing role or an increasingly important role as we age to the development of inflammatory bowel disease. So that's what really triggered our interest in looking in this area. And one environmental exposure that has been thought to play a pivotal role is really antibiotics. Largely, the data has been uh, looking at incident of inflammatory bowel disease in younger adults and the relationship of antibiotics. So this is, again, why we wanted to look at antibiotic exposure, but increasingly over the lifespan. I'll also highlight that rather than do a case control type study, we decided to do a essentially prospective cohort study. So we followed individuals over time and we looked at antibiotic exposure over time. So we did this partially because it helps us control for confounders additionally. So if you have um, unmeasured confounders like tobacco or other factors, People who are smokers can both contribute time to the no antibiotic exposure time, but also when they're prescribed an antibiotic, then contribute time to that group. And again, years after that, again, can contribute time to the no antibiotic exposure. So that, in part, helps control for confounding a bit. 
Additionally, our hypothesis is that antibiotics may play a role through modulation of the intestinal microbiome. So to really hone in on that and adjust for other factors that may play a role in the intestinal microbiome, we also look to adjust for PPI, so those are proton pump inhibitors, antiviral, and antifungal use. Thank you for that background. So um, could I ask you now to explain what the new findings your study has found? Of course. So in essence, we had 6.1 million individuals that we followed over time, and this led to about 87 million person years of follow-up. We actually had 52,898 new cases of inflammatory bowel disease, with 36,000 being from ulcerative colitis and 16,881 from Crohn's disease. And when you look at the overall study, we do see that antibiotic use is associated with the development of inflammatory bowel disease. And we stratify by ages. So you look at individuals aged 10 to 40, those aged 40 to 60, and those 60 and older. And interestingly, if you actually look at the incident rate ratios for individuals 40 to 60 and 60 plus, it's actually higher across all levels than for the individuals aged 10 to 40. And we also see, interestingly, a dose relationship for all three age groups. So one antibiotic course will increase the risk, but five or more antibiotic courses increases the risk uh, significantly higher. It almost doubles the risk in individuals 60 years and older, and it more than doubles it in individuals aged 40 to 60. And this is a comparison to about a 1.7 increased risk in those aged 10 to 40. So again, it's almost a linear relationship when you increase the antibiotic courses. So one to two, two to three, three to four, and five plus. Again, uh, seeing this dose relationship. The other thing we looked at besides just number of antibiotic courses over time was what about the timing? How, how does the timing of antibiotics actually contribute to the development of inflammatory bowel disease? And what we did was we included a one-year lag time from antibiotic exposure to account for this idea of reverse causality. Reverse causality essentially means, well, what if you actually have inflammatory bowel disease, but it's just not diagnosed yet? So you have symptoms, and perhaps you're receiving antibiotics for those symptoms, Again, maybe someone thinks that they're treating some other gastrointestinal condition, but really it's just an undiagnosed inflammatory bowel disease. So we included this one-year lag time to really minimize that effect. We also did a sensitivity analysis to expand that time to two years, and we actually saw similar results. And what you can see is that the risk of developing inflammatory bowel disease is actually highest when antibiotics were used in the one to two years prior. What about when they're used five years prior? You can also see this risk. So this risk persists out over time. It does decrease as you go farther from the antibiotic exposure, but even five years out, you see this risk for all three groups. So again, pointing to the idea that reverse causality can't explain all of that because we would expect uh, an inflammatory bowel disease to be diagnosed within those five years. The other thing we looked at was, what about the classes of antibiotics? So we looked at many different classes, and when you look at those that contributed the highest risk, it was actually the fluoroquinolones and nitroaminazoles. And these are really two classes of antibiotics that are often used to treat gastrointestinal infections. But you also see this increased risk when you look at antibiotics that are not commonly used to treat gastrointestinal infections. So those are like the narrow-spectrum antibiotics. And this, again, persisted for all age groups, 10 to 40, 40 to 60, and 60 plus. And I think perhaps most interestingly, 
there was one class of antibiotics that actually did not appear to increase the risk for any of these age groups. And what it was was nitrofurantoin. And this is an antibiotic that's commonly used to uh, treat urinary tract infections. But the interesting aspect is that it's really thought to not play a pivotal role in changing the intestinal microbiome. And the reason for that is because it's mostly absorbed within the small intestine. So now here we have the study where we see the largest risk coming from antibiotics that particularly target pathogens in the intestine, so modulating the gastrointestinal microbiome, we still see, although a decreased risk among antibiotics, that still impact the gastrointestinal microbiome but aren't particularly directly used to treat GI infections often. And then the one antibiotic that doesn't seem to really impact the intestinal microbiome doesn't actually seem to increase this risk. So again, this is an associational study, but starts to point to the idea that perhaps antibiotics are modulating the way the gastrointestinal microbiome is and perhaps inciting the development of inflammatory bowel disease. Thank you, Dr. Fay. Uh, it seems really interesting, important, and um, very clinically relevant, which brings me on to my next question, which seems an obvious question, about how might this study impact on clinical practice in the foreseeable future? That's a really interesting question. And uh, I think most of all, it points towards the need for stewardship when it comes to use of antibiotics. We all know that use of antibiotics may increase the risk of development of multidrug-resistant organisms. And just for that reason, of course, we need to be careful when using antibiotics. But this, the present study, also shows that antibiotics do not only increase the risk of multidrug-resistant organisms, it also increases the risk of specific diseases, such as inflammatory bowel disease, and this is potentially through an effect on the gut microbiome. And for clinicians, I think it's very important to remember when we prescribe antibiotics, and we do prescribe antibiotics for a variety of reasons, and often also for non-GI reasons. So that could be for other respiratory tract infections, etc. And we may tend to forget that prescribing antibiotics for non-GI reasons actually may influence the GI tract, uh, or more specifically, the gut microbiome. And hence, treating one disease with an antibiotic may actually increase the risk of another disease through changes in the gut microbiome, and in this case, the risk of inflammatory bowel disease. So this once again uh, reminds us that we only uh, should use antibiotics when indicated which means that in cases of self-limiting or mild disease or in cases of viral disease, we should, of course, not use antibiotics. And that may seem obvious, but it's not always the case in clinical practice, as we know. And as Adam alluded to, um, genetics may play a smaller role in elderly onset IBD. And therefore, it's very important for us, of course, to understand uh, the impact on environmental factors not only on the risk of IBD, but also um, on the actual uh, clinical phenotype of IBD and, and on the cause of IBD. So we may be aware when we see elderly onset IBD patients that their phenotypes uh, and their disease causes may not be the same as in younger IBD individuals. I also think that the present study, again, reminds us that our threshold for suspecting IBD in older adults is maybe 
somehow sometimes still too high and it should be lower. And I think especially if you have patients with a history of multiple uh, antibiotic courses, you should definitely remember IBD as a potential uh, differential diagnosis. Thank you, Professor. I think I think that's very clear and a very timely reminder about antibiotic uh, stewardship uh, in particularly. So another question that may seem obvious is that how might this study impact on research priorities in the foreseeable future? Yes, so I think we have a tendency, and Adam also uh, talked about that, to study risk factors for IBD uh, in early in life. So often we focus on, on onset of IBD in children or in young adults, um, and we have a tendency to focus less on, on the etiology uh, of IBD in elderly onset IBD. And we have shown in several studies that um, antibiotics definitely increase the risk of early onset IBD. In a recent study that we published in GUT, uh, we even showed that in pregnant mothers, treating these mothers with antibiotics may actually increase uh, the risk of IBD in offspring. So more than three antibiotic courses during pregnancy actually increases the risk of ulcerative colitis with 45% in offspring. That's all good, important knowledge, but definitely we have to focus more on elderly onset IBD. And in that regard, I think it's very interesting to study the specific effect of specific kinds of antibiotics on the gut microbiome. So I think we still lack knowledge on how specific antibiotics cause specific changes in the gut microbiome, and especially how repetitive courses of antibiotics may actually cause persistent changes and which changes these are. So I think understanding how specific antibiotics influence the gut microbiome in specific ways and how that in turn uh, increases the risk of IBD definitely could lead us closer to the pathophysiology of especially elderly onset IBD. And that again reminds us that environmental factors may act differently across ages, which means if we study the specific effect of certain antibiotics uh, on the gut microbiome, we should definitely uh, do that across age groups. I would also say that it's quite interesting to, to hypothesize that the, the phenotype and the cause of, of inflammatory bowel disease in elderly may not be the same in those who have been repetitively exposed to antibiotics and may have developed IBD for that reason, as compared to patients who have not had the same exposure to antibiotics. But to my knowledge, this has not been studied before, and I think it would be a very interesting subject to study. And lastly, I think that disentangling the effect of infections and antibiotics is very important. So when we see an association in an epidemiological study between treatment with uh, antibiotics and risk of a given disease such as IBD, this may, of course, not only reflect that antibiotics is a risk factor, it could also be the infection that is treated with the antibiotic that actually causes the increased risk of, of a given disease as IBD. And I think the, the fact that we see an impact 
uh, on risk of IBD across antibiotic types indeed suggests that it's not one given infectious agent that causes the increased risk of IBD. It is probably the treatment with antibiotics. But infections may play a role in the development of IBD, and both infections and antibiotics may have an impact on the gut microbiome. And to understand how these effects act both separately, so how do infections impact the gut microbiome, and how do antibiotics impact the gut microbiome, and to understand the combined effects of these, and especially in relation to IBD development, uh, I find very interesting. Well, thank you very much. I think you've uh, certainly identified lots of interesting area for research to go in in the, in the future. Thank you both of you uh, for joining me to do this podcast today. It's been really interesting. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have too. I want to say congratulations to both of you again, uh, as well as your co-authors, of course, and your fantastic paper being published in, uh, in GUT. It certainly deserves lots of accolades. Um, to our listeners, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to that podcast. If you want to read the paper, there's a link uh, directly underneath this podcast that you can click on. And of course, please join us again in the future for further GUT podcasts. Thank you for joining. Thank you.